You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hey, everyone. You are listening to another episode of the All Things Private Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Casal, joined today by Marina O'Connor, a psychotherapist that lives in Portugal, who is going to kind of talk to us about her story and her journey through from Russia to London to Portugal, working virtually remotely as a working mom, uh, rally car co-driver, which seems pretty damn cool to me, and just taking risks. Many years ago. Many years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Six seasons ago of uh, childhood. So uh, welcome to the show, and I'm really excited to talk to you. You're our first international guest on here. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I feel honored. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you had reached out to me about doing something really cool, too, that we could talk about in a second. Um, but I want to get a good sense for the audience of like, tell us a little bit about your story, like your your passion for trauma work and just mm. the work that you're doing in, in corporate um, in Portugal. And I think a lot of people who listen have this romanticized idea of picking up and moving somewhere and just ending up in Portugal or Spain or somewhere mm. somewhere different. and. I know that comes with challenges too, to acclimate and like make friends and get uh, immersed in the culture. So yeah, where do you want to start? Oh, I don't really know. Well, um, hi everyone. I, thank you for having me. It's, it's really exciting that you said I'm the first guest from Europe. I didn't actually realize that, but um, yeah, I guess I've been, I kind of have a history of moving around, you know, I was, I was born in Moscow, but the first time I moved away from home was quite early. I actually, I was, I went to the States actually. (laughs) And I, so that was kind of my first major move slash escape. Um, I was in Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I finished my BA there and then I got back to Moscow and I was working um, and I I wasn't a therapist. I didn't actually plan to become a therapist. It wasn't even something on my agenda for many, many years. Um, I, I've been kind of running my own businesses. I was working like in venture capital, you know, um, and it just happened due to my personal story that I had to relocate to London. Uh, because this is where my husband was and um, then moved to London again, um, had a major depression <laughs> because I I obviously kind of had to step out of my business, which was my baby at that, at that point. And I really worked very hard. I'm a workaholic, so, you know, and a perfectionist. And my business was like a huge sense of my identity and you know in my self-definition was obviously tied with my achievements at that point and um, I also had like very big 
backing from investors and it was really like very messy. I had to move, got really depressed, thought, you know, I'm a complete sailor. I don't have anything. What have I done? Um, and yeah, and then it just happened that I kind of, I've been in my personal therapy for many years at that, at that point. And it was kind of, I guess, unconsciously was always like part of who I was, like because of my relationships, you know, and the way I was kind of connecting with people. But basically I've ended up being trained as a therapist, which was kind of, I guess, I was really driven by my interest to heal myself at that, at that point. You know, I wasn't necessarily thinking long-term that it's going to be what I'm going to do. And uh, here I am. So, and this is why I guess my interest in trauma, answering your question obviously came through my own history of trauma and, you know, my own kind of history of being as a client um, and knowing that therapy can be wonderful and amazing and being basically a huge believer that everyone, everyone can benefit from some form of therapy, right? Not like necessarily therapy, therapy, but whatever the path people might want to take to um, heal, heal themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like quite the journey and I'll really resonate with what you said about, mm. you know, your, your business was your baby and so invested, yeah. so connected. And you see parts of yourself and your identity in terms of like what I've created yeah. and accomplished. And I think, yeah. I think a lot of entrepreneurs do. And I think a lot of people who own their own businesses do because you work so hard to get yeah. them off the ground. And it can be really challenging to step away and separate and and even pack up and just say, this is coming to an end. And I yeah. imagine that, that was a really emotional process in terms of also of relocation from a different country. And yeah, yeah. I so mean, you go ahead. I was just going to say, I think, you know, looking back emotionally, kind of stepping out from the business, one of the hardest things I've ever done. Actually, even when I'm talking now, I'm getting really emotional. So it's it's really something that has been so incredibly difficult to give up. And I really still carry, you know, all of that unresolved stuff with me. And And actually, at that point, I think it was all of my identity. You know, it was really all of my identity. This is what I really grew up with those messages that you are your kind of achievements. If you don't become a lawyer, a doctor, you know, like a journalist, you're not going to be successful. This was like very kind of clear messages in my family. And I think, I think having that and, you know, kind of compared to that, moving to a new country was really easy for me. <laughs> you know, I was just, I was just, I, and that's, you know, I guess kind of says it all, right? Because it's not easy at all. So, yeah. I think that's such an important part. And I, I appreciate you sharing that and being vulnerable mm. enough to do so. That that intergenerational trauma, mm. it's it's there. It's bubbling beneath the surface. And it's it's so impactful in terms of how we identify and our core beliefs about ourselves and some of the really irrational beliefs that we held on to about yeah. our sense of self-worth and tying it to achievement and perfectionism and accomplishment. And mm. I like to say that I'm a recovering perfectionist, but it's still very mm. hard because 
there's so much of that that's so deeply embedded. And yeah. It does take a lot of self-work to work mm-hmm. through the really strong connection and layers that exist because so often yeah. it's like, if this doesn't go well, then I'm a failure. If mm-hmm. this is successful, then that's a reflection on me or I'm not mm-hmm. doing something right. And in reality, like there's so many other factors, but if we are so used to tying that into who we are and our sense of worth, it, it really is a painful experience to work. Yeah. Through. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in that way, you know, the depression that I was kind of was going through was really like an adequate response. So I think it was really something that just allowed me to see the extent, the depth of that. And of course, you know, I, I, I've started my training and it was really part of that, you know, just like exploration and being able to see how kind of unkind that was to myself as well, you know, just, just like allowing myself to be led by those, those beliefs. And, and for sure, you know, I, I always kind of talk about myself as a perfectionist in the recovery, but sometimes I have like relapses, right? Because it's, it's really difficult to get rid of that pattern, you know, because it's such a deep, unconscious, unconscious kind of thing. And I think sometimes I see that and I just have to like physically stop myself. It's really difficult. You know, I think that you can do the work, right? Like you've mentioned doing your own trauma work and, and myself and whoever's listening, doing your own pathway and whatever healing means to you. It, I think the beauty of doing that work, right. And I know you're very passionate about the trauma component Mm -hmm. is that when it comes up and surfaces again, it's not as debilitating, like it's still painful, but you can use the skill sets that you've learned to kind of manage them and work through them. And I think for anyone that owns their own business, let alone just a human being or an entrepreneur or mental health therapist, whatever, trauma is trauma and you know we're all going to experience it differently. But as an entrepreneur, when that perfectionism comes up, when those inner child wounds come up, mm-hmm. it's really hard to make decisions. It's really hard to feel confident in your decision-making and, and your sense of self and get to a place where you feel like you are in alignment with what makes sense for you and what's important for you. And I think that's yeah. really challenging. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I was really lucky in the sense that, you know, I've kind of like mentioned I was running my business, but I've just had this idea and I didn't actually know how to kind of get financing for that. So I went to work for a VC, like a venture capital firm. And um, they've then they became one of my investors, which was really, which was really cool. But I think that experience really taught me and just normalize that making mistakes is part of really building anything and even doing anything, you know, they kind of like, in a way they became a parent, you know, they like offered me that modeling that I didn't have by just like normalizing that everyone who runs a business is making mistakes. You know, they're all like very open about it. Just being part of that environment opened my eyes on really how natural it was how like it was just like really a part of the whole process and they were actually very welcoming you know and they were just there was absolutely no kind of blame shame nothing about it it was just like really about this part of the process it doesn't need to be perfect you know just go and do it and see where it leads you so I think that environment really offered me 
an amazing kind of platform to just be able to, uh, yeah, just like being able to, you know, try all of my ideas and of course get that backing was just confirmation that like everything is possible right so i'm i'm just you know i think i was i was really lucky to to have that experience so early on in my entrepreneurial journey because from then on i just kind of got that part out of my head you know and i think this was a huge relief it was like the way it just fell off my chest I can even sense that when you're saying mm-hmm. like your, your yeah. shoulders drop and you took a deep breath and you're yeah. like, yeah. yeah. And I think you made a lot of really important points for people listening because most of the audience are entrepreneurs or small business owners is the, uh, the permission to make the mistake. We don't often get that in society. We get the opposite message of you can't fail. Failure yeah. is a reflection of you, blah, blah, blah. Mistakes are not acceptable. In reality, Mistakes are totally part of the process. They yeah. absolutely are going to happen. There's no, there's no avoiding them. Mm. And I like to reframe them and just kind of look at them as learning lessons and ways to adapt and pivot moving forward instead of feeling like, oh, wow, I made this big mistake and I am, must be an awful business owner or I, therefore yeah. I'm a terrible human being and like letting it spiral, which it can certainly do. So having that mentorship, that guidance, that support system to normalize fear and failure and mistake. I think that is so freaking crucial. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, now even like when I work with clients, anyone with my kids, I don't even think so much about them as mistakes. I kind of like to think about them as just choices. And then, you know, you make a choice and then whatever the consequences or the outcomes of that like choice you're kind of just navigating you know and you're basically deciding is it helpful is it not is is it working is it not because ultimately a mistake is also just a choice we make right and it's kind of the best available option for us at a certain point of time and maybe like in in a year when we're more equipped or more experienced we would be making a different choice but ultimately just I think having that compassion and like support that this was just a choice you know and ultimately obviously we need to be able to minimize if like the consequences are negative for us but it this is all it is and I think I just really try to like model it for my kids as well so they actually know that you know this is this is this is life right and they're not defined by it and I actually want that I really want them to make those choices that they're not going to be like proud of because in the end of the day, it means that they are exploring. They are actually trying. They are doing something new. And I think this is like, as you know, someone who wants to build, you know, like my projects and my businesses, but also someone who wants my kids to succeed and be happy. I think this is really the most important thing for them to know that they're just accepted and loved with all of that. Just get it massive, right? And may and then you are going to clean it up. I like that. Yeah, get it messy, then you're going to clean it up. I think that's mm-hmm. wonderful modeling. And I hope that this resonates for people who are listening because mm-hmm. so often we prevent ourselves from doing something out of our comfort zone or trying or taking a risk because it feels scary and overwhelming and we don't mm-hmm. know how to do it. Or we move into imposter syndrome perfectionism mode where it's like, 
I can't do it because I don't know it perfectly or I don't know how yeah. to do it perfectly. And I always kind of like think about the image of trying to figure out how to ride a bike as a child and mm-hmm. how you fall off of it because you don't know how to do it yet. But then you like dust yourself off and you pick yourself up and you do it again and again and mm-hmm. again. You can do it. You know, I used to ride my bike without my hands on the handlebars, just like riding around like an idiot. Yeah. Like, the thing is. I love it. Now. Yeah. You get more comfortable and you like. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Second nature and you don't have to overthink it anymore. And it's almost like a part of you. And I think without making those mistakes, without taking those risks, without falling down and getting up, I feel like the saddest thing in the world feels like wasted talent. And I think mm, that I see yeah. that Bronx tale when Robert De Niro tells that to his son. But I believe that wholeheartedly where it's like, I would rather try and fail than never yeah. try and wall and keep myself small because I just am afraid of the mistake that I could possibly make. Yeah, absolutely. And this is like my biggest fear for myself is like, you know, that sense of, just come to the end of life, right? Like with that kind of feeling that I had all of that potential and I wasn't able to like transform it into something or not even like transform it into something, but I haven't actually tried everything that I could have tried or, you know, and just really like enjoy everything that I could have enjoyed and having those moments that, you know, and and I really believe that. I mean, for me, that's literally the biggest fear. That's my phobia, even not if, fear so i think this is why i i really try to to do it to push myself and and also like enjoy it right because i think very often i know that i can also forget that element of how fun it can be while you know just like trying to overcome like perfectionism and by trying to kind of focus on my like internal process and to like work with this self-limiting self beliefs you know I I just like almost forget that it also has to be, for me, it has to be fun. I have to like enjoy it because I think what I do enjoy something that I'm doing, then it really becomes about that like internal sense of like, I'm just like doing something that helps me to expand my potential, to follow my curiosity. And, and it really becomes like natural, more natural. I think that fun and playfulness is so important in not only small business ownership, but also healing inner child wounding. Because if you're allowing yourself to get into that playful state, you're going to take more risks. You're going to be a little more impulsive with decisions at times. You're going to be more creative because you're just tapping into that part of the brain and you're allowing the stress, the self-doubt, the inner criticism, the perfectionism, the imposter syndrome to just fade away. And then... That's when you're at your natural, true self. And that's where the most creative um, projects and and just the things that you can put out to the world start to manifest and the ideas start to percolate. And the fearfulness really subsides a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I think we lose sight of that as adults a lot of the time. And we are so rigid and like structured and so anxious about things. And if we could just take a step back, incorporate some strategies to work through inner child wounding, allow ourselves to be playful and silly and fun. That's when you start to see these amazing ideas start to come to fruition. Yeah. 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 For sure. I mean, this is, this is really what I, 
see and I see the impact of that. And I think it's really so important to give our, I, I know like for myself, it's really important to give myself that permission, you know, that permission, just go and enjoy what you do, have fun. And obviously we can't predict the results, you know, we can't predict the outcomes and, you know, there's that uncertainty. There's always uncertainty, right? No matter how much we plan, no matter how amazing the idea is, no matter like how many factors or how many, how much effort we put into that. But I think if I know that I'm enjoying what I'm doing, if I'm having fun while like trying to build something, then for me, it's just worth it. You know, I know that I'm spending my time to really like, I I'm, yeah, it's just, it's just completely worth it. And then that's at that like point, it's enough to give me comfort to move. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. So fast forward a little bit, we talk about yeah. all the risks that you've taken, the work that you've done, you end up in Portugal, another transition, yeah. another quote unquote risk, right? And yeah. here we are. And tell us a little bit about what you've created um, living in Portugal, because now again, you're a small business owner. So you've taken that risk once again and worked through the trauma of leaving that business behind when you moved. Yeah. To yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was very different with my, when we moved to Portugal, I had my family, I had my husband who actually has his own business as well. Like he's not, doesn't have anything to do with the therapy, but he's also a business owner, like an uh, entrepreneur. And we had a family. I think in that way, I wasn't like moving by myself. That I had that kind of security. Um, I also like still had my practice, um, in London, which I also do still do as well. So I think it, it was like very different. The sense of security that I've had was very different. And I, the move was like quite impulsive because we weren't actually planning to, to Portugal. We just happened to kind of come for a weekend that really loved it. And then we thought, why not move to Portugal? And then we've ended up in Portugal. So that was quite quite an impulsive decision at that point of time. And, um, yeah, and it's just, it's just really now five years after looking back, it was the right move for our family. You know, um, I was able kind of to expand my practice here. You know, I work with obviously English speakers here and, and there are a lot, there's a huge English speaking community in Portugal. Uh, it happened like that the regulations are quite similar in the UK and Portugal. So I don't really know about kind of other countries in Europe. Um, but, oh, you got frozen. I can still hear you. Ah, okay. You just, you closed your eyes. So I wasn't sure if you were, if you, but um, yeah, I forgot. I That's <laughs> one of the things that happens as well. I forget where I was going, but um. But yes, so ultimately it was very similar in terms of regulation. So I think that move to Portugal was not anything as painful as, as you know, as, as the move to London that um, I've had. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like because you worked through a lot of the trauma in your life that there was more stability in this move and doing so as a, a yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. And Although it's yeah, impulsive, yeah. it sounds like it worked out really well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a really beautiful place. And, you know, I, yeah, we just enjoy it. But it's it's what you've said, you know, I just really had like a completely different support system, you know, like through family, 
but also, of course, like through my own therapist, right? <laughs> through like my supervision. And I think it really just allowed me to stay connected, to stay, you know, just like to ground myself and just to be able to focus on kind of, again, like just having fun, meet new people, like establishing new relationships and ultimately seeing, you know, and I kind of knew that we could always go back, right? And there was like also that, that, so I think it was like an adventure and this is how we saw it. And that's why it really made this move quite painless for us. I love it. Yeah, I love all of that. And I hope at some point in time that that's where my path takes me is the goal is to end up moving to Portugal. So uh, oh yeah, that's that would be amazing. Well, I mean, yeah, I I think this is one of the best countries for me. It's it's really it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and it has like so many things to offer as well. I only spent eight days there, and I'll be spending more time there as I get ready for the Portuguese retreat that I'm hosting. But I loved it. I just thought the people were lovely, the food, the culture, yeah. the architecture, the scenery, like. I really, really enjoyed it quite a bit up there. And I, I think it's wonderful now that we're in an age of kind of digital work and telehealth work and being able to work remotely that you have more opportunities to yeah. kind of make some of this a reality if that's something that you're interested in. Yeah, yeah. And and it's really interesting because Portugal is kind of like becoming a cop for like a lot of startups and and some people even call it like Silicon Valley of of Europe, which I mean, I'm not like sure about that one, but it's definitely like becoming quite a popular place for like startups, establishing businesses. They have like huge community of like nomads and, you know, it's just kind of people who who work from here and just like trying to, to build, to build various businesses. So it's becoming really, it's kind of on the rise for that. Love, love it. Love it. And yeah. I'm looking forward to meeting you when, in person when I'm over there. Um, any words of wisdom or advice that you'd offer to the audience about just the risk factors and, and the impulsivity and working through your trauma history or anything that is applicable right now? Well, a wisdom, I'm not sure, but um, I don't know. I just, I just really think that because of my trauma history, I'm quite familiar with the risk. And I guess I've, that wasn't something that I've struggled with. I think my struggle was actually to teach myself how to perhaps not to take too much risk. Um, and this is like something that I'm actually still navigating because I'm aware of this tendency of mine where, you know, I'm just really uncertainty is that still feels very familiar to me. Structure is where I can actually struggle. So I think in that sense, I'm perhaps not going to offer much wisdom because I guess it's like the opposite for many people, right? But um, I don't know. I just like feel normalizing that life is uncertainty, right? And business is uncertainty. And I think just one thing that I noticed because I also work with like a lot of therapists who are kind of trying to take their business to the next level, even here with some of my colleagues who know that I have that business background is I think that very often people are just kind of waiting for, you know, like a perfect idea or a very kind of specific, like clear vision of what they're going to do. And they can like really spend sometimes years on trying to prepare themselves for kind of making the jump into, into like whether it's launching a new product, you know, or like doing something online or I don't know, 
building like another revenue stream. And I think that might never come, you know, and I really believe that we don't need to have like a unique idea or we don't need to have like that. We don't need to figure out the vision completely. I really think it's much more important to believe that you are the person to do whatever you are planning to do. And I think also what I find unhelpful for me again, because I know that a lot of people would say the opposite is like trying to compare like a benchmark myself against what other people are doing. Because I think, again, if I get into that, that's just going to really like, my perfectionism is just going to have like a major meltdown, you know? So I think for me, just not looking at what others are doing is what I've trained myself to do. I think that's great advice. And I think comparison is the thief of joy for sure. Mm -hmm. And major component of imposter syndrome. And I also believe in imperfect action of building the plane as you fly it. Because if you're waiting for that perfect idea, that perfect vision, it's probably never going to come. But if you can push through that fear, that's that anxiety, the unknown, the self-doubt and do it anyway, you can start to refine the product. You can start to refine the vision as you go. And yeah. then you actually build the momentum instead of keeping yourself frozen or keeping yourself stuck. Yeah. So- and I think, and I think, you know, your clients, the market, you know, like the everything else is actually going to guide towards the solution that's going to really help to achieve the goals, right? Because I think this is what for me is like trusting the processes, you know, it's it's really being able to put the energy out there without kind of like thinking that this is how it needs to happen. You know, this is my vision and this is what I want as an outcome, you know, and this if it's like different than that, that means that I'm like completely screwed up and then I'm just going to like dismiss everything that I've done. But because I think what can happen as a result of all of that exchange and, you know, is, is actually might be like hundred times better or not even like thought I've originally planned. And this is actually what happened with my corporate business. You know, it's just that I had one idea, but then as I went to speak to the companies, it was really kind of turning into something that I wasn't even able to think of because I wasn't like on the side of my clients, right? And I think just listening to that and being open, but also trusting that is going to come uh, is for me is really important. Absolutely. Pivoting and adapting really, really mm-hmm. crucial to start to yeah. this entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. So, Marina, I want to thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your story and being willing to talk about this. I think it was a great conversation and I really appreciate your time and just tell the audience where they can find you on uh, or with whatever you're doing right now. Uh, I just have a website. Uh, it's called physistherapist.com and um, I don't know, like I have social media as, as well, but my website, my website has all of my information and yeah, this is where I can be found and in Portugal as well. And in London occasionally. So 
and hopefully soon uh, some rally car co-driving too. I hope so. I hope so. Yes, I'm planning to go back in a month. I'm really looking forward because that's definitely a definition of fun for me. Well, I am looking forward to meeting you in a couple months when I'm over there. Me too. Thank you yeah. so much for having me. It was fun. Thank Absolutely. you. You're very welcome. To everyone listening, all of Marina's information will be in the show notes so you have easy access to her website and social media profiles. And for everyone listening to the All Things Private Practice podcast, new episodes are out every single Sunday on all major platforms like download, subscribe, and share. Doubt yourself. Do it anyway. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.